Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, ProofHQ. Now here are your hosts, from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Sysimos, Amber Nasland. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Content Pros Podcast. I am really, really pumped to be joined by the one, the only, Shannon Paul today. Me too. I'm specifically thrilled to be joined by Shannon because she's a longtime friend and, uh, in my eyes, a true social media and marketing leader, somebody who really puts her money where, she, where her mouth is. Um, and she's a brilliant strategist, Shannon. So Shannon is the vice president of social media over at Fifth Third Bank, where she leads social strategy, and she's also serving as the internal subject matter expert for all things social in the organization. She's really become an authority in social and regulated industries especially, having also worked in social leadership roles for healthcare and financial services organizations. So never let it be said that regulated social can't be done because Shannon proves it over and over again. So thank you very much for joining us, Shannon, and welcome to the show. Thank you. That was the best intro ever. Yeah, I like rules. I like <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, the rules master, I love it. And well, it's tricky because a lot of people get kind of freaked out about it. So when when you're developing social and content and regulated industries, so many people see this as this insurmountable task plagued by compliance and regulatory and governance issues. Can you like just kick us off by giving us an idea of what approach you take to this and how you dismantle it so it's not quite so scary? So I have I have a few I mean some days don't get me wrong I go home and I'm like why can't I just tweet about shoes you know why can't I just you know I like shoes what's wrong with me but most days I mean I really I I really enjoy the complexity but I, I say that but it's also um, I think that in a regulated environment um, the 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 downside is that, yeah of course it can mean a lot of extra steps to execution but on the plus side it also means that everybody's really ready to collaborate because everybody knows that it takes lots of different people to be able to execute something both on the side of like yes I'm creating content and I'm getting it out the door and I'm publishing it but also there's you have to work with people who have risk in their title who it's their very job and their very nature to just kind of um, look at something and 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 pinpoint all of the things that could go wrong so that we can make sure that we have adequate controls in place. I think a lot of times people in marketing roles or you know content roles where we're a little we're a little um, less quant or we're a little more creative um, we tend to approach those conversations sometimes as if they're just poking holes in everything we're trying to do and we take it personal and that's really not what what they're doing they're really just trying to do their job and if you can kind of understand that you know I joke sometimes with with our information security teams or people in those risk roles that I'm the joker to their batman you know it's and we we kind of you know do it in jest but you know they they we all kind of have sort of a for lack of a better word a gentleman's agreement or a ladies agreement that um you know it's my job to push on on certain aspects and it's their job to push back and you know as long as we can kind of you know keep that in mind um we actually get a lot of things done and the more i can help people understand the context and really kind of help them, 
you know, when we when we try to publish something or run a campaign, it's like really understanding um, how what we're trying to do fits into a broader ecosystem or a broader strategy, and you know, down to the level of even this is where the data goes. When I click here, this is what happens, or you know, this is how the consumer will see it, and just being able to kind of map out all of those things at a really granular level, and and being able to talk about them in plain language is really really important. I love that, Shannon. And I remember, I don't remember how many years ago, but it was several years ago, you posted something career-related on Facebook, and pretty much everyone was like, oh, join a startup. That should be your next move. Join a startup. And I think everyone <laughs> is scared of the complexity. And and if you so many folks to get things done. So I, I was wondering if you could touch on that a little more, specific to content and social how are you working with colleagues and building consensus with folks you may not know? And like you said, their job does have risk in the title. So what are you actually doing from a content and social perspective to get them bought in, to get everything done that you want to get done? Um, you know, I, I mean, I honestly need to have, you know, them 100% bought in. I just need to have them understand it. I mean, um, for people like this, a lot of times it's like I have to understand that everything I do is going to require more work from other people. Um, so really, I approach these conversations just that way. You know, it's like, I'm apologetic because we're going to want to do something really cool and interesting here, but it's going to create a lot of extra work for you. And here's what it's going to entail. <laughs> and so I try to set things up that way because I think just understanding, like, all of the things on their to-do list and coming at it from that, that perspective, I think helps, you know, when you show people that you understand um, their role and their goals and their objectives and that, you know, how you're trying to align with those things and make their life ultimately easier while understanding um, I think it, it changes the dynamic of that conversation because they don't necessarily need to understand every little thing that we're trying to do in social or they don't understand, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have to understand how to use Twitter. Um, but they can understand what we're trying to do with Twitter and um, they can understand like how, um, you know, what, I think that's, that's what a lot of the trepidation is inside organizations like this is I might present you with this great big idea and this wonderful concept, but if you can't wrap your mind around what that means today, um, it's really hard for you to support what I'm trying to do. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I try to do is understand how these other roles need to function and operate, all of the stuff that they have to check off their list on a day-to-day -day basis, and then just say, here's how this kind of fits in, or I need you to tell me how you think it will fit in based on this number of deliverables or this kind of a timeline that we're looking at. I really want to pick up on something interesting that you said along the course of that is they don't necessarily need to understand all the specifics of what we're doing with social. They just need to sort of understand how it fits into the into the big picture. And one controversial or I guess discussion-based question that I think you and I have bantered around a bit in the past is the idea of executives or leadership actually needing to participate in social, create content themselves, be visible on the blog or all that sort of thing. What's your take on that? Because based on what you're saying, I'm thinking you think um, that's not necessarily a prerequisite, and I'd love to know where you sit on that discussion. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of, you know, I have other counterparts and other, you know, organizations, and I think a lot of times they come in thinking they need to teach everybody how to use social media for him or herself, 
in order for them to understand or to buy in. And I, I scrapped that a long time ago because I found what I get are really, really bad questions. You know, things like how many times a day do I need to tweet? And, you know, those kinds of things where I'm just like, you know what, you don't. Like, forget it. <laughs> we don't need to do that. So I instead focus on um, how social media support adds value to the organization, supports broader strategic initiatives, aligns with, you know, specific, you know, sometimes they're really kind of squishy concepts around things like brand reputation and, um, you know, some of those kind of, you know, high-level metrics. And sometimes they actually, you know, align with, a, you know, an acquisition effort. And it's really just showing how, you know, we're just one part of how, it, how these things, how these tools and the tactics can support all of those things. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me that people on the content side will oftentimes talk about we need to we need to create content that creates value and it needs to answer like the what's in it for me for the consumer, but we're not able to take that same sensibility and apply it internally. And that is where I think a lot of people get very frustrated is, you know, I focus on the what's in it for me, for my internal counterparts, just as much as we have to focus on the what's in it for me for the end user, the person who's consuming our content on the outside. I think that just it's it's important to just be respectful of other people's time and and to know that they don't have the same perspective or the same skill set that we do and that's why we have jobs so you know it's kind of a good thing. And you hit on content and social there. While this is the Content Pros podcast, we hit on social a lot because they are so intertwined. So how do you guys structure that? the combination of content and social, are they two different groups of people that you interact with regularly or do you guys kind of feed each other content and or social since they are so tightly intertwined? So I think we're sort of still, um, we might be, I say we are, we probably are a little um, more lower on the maturity level I think with content and with the perspective of content. Um, I think we're kind of working from an outside-in approach. We have a lot of content going on in social, but a lot of times we're we're still trying to connect the dots back to sort of the mothership experience um, and the core customer experience. Um, we have you know some really great really great examples of like smaller smaller uh, projects where we've got great content. One of them. Um, we actually partner with the Wall Street Journal. We create a magazine called the Curiosity Magazine. It's um, you can actually you check it out if you want. It's primarily for our, our private bank clientele, but um, they have a really nice, uh, really well done, you know, actual tangible physical paper magazine that goes out. But there's also a digital version of that. It's at 53.com/curiositymagazine. Um, so there's some really, really, really great content there, and we have been. Um, also, just kind of you know taking the older articles and working them into a Tumblr uh, presence that is still you know we're it's a fledgling Tumblr experience, um, and then we you know share links out via other social channels as well. Um, but that's one good example. But it's also not you know it's a smaller example. But a lot of the content that we develop really on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, just even the we're still very campaign focused as an organization. So I don't want to you know, totally like overstate, you know, what we're doing. But I think um, we're very campaign focused and we've got great campaigns. We're really good at them. And and really um, social has become a core part of how we go to market at a campaign level. Um, so we've got participation, you know, elements and, you know, uh, really baked into the core concept. Social is not an afterthought whenever we develop a, a, a totally integrated campaign. 
Um, but always on, the, the idea of having an always on content is very new, sorry. Um, so we're still working that in and um, so we, we have sort of an agency team that helps support a lot of the content strategy that we work on from a campaign and an always on perspective. Well, I, I definitely I want to delve into one of these um, these campaigns actually that I think was so brilliant and so successful and have you talk to me a little bit about that. Before we do that though, um, I want to take two seconds to thank one of the content pro content pro sponsors, which is Proof HQ. And of course, one of the trickiest parts of anybody who's involved in content creation is all the approvals and edits and coordination of that. So different people have different opinions and they want to provide feedback. So we can kill a lot of that drama if you try Proof HQ, which is a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to collaborate around those content executions and work together seamlessly on whatever you're creating to be more productive and more creative. So check them out at bit.ly.com slash proofhq. So Shannon, we were talking about uh, campaigns here and the one I wanted to call out was you guys did this amazing retweet to reemploy campaign um, at Fifth Third. So can you tell me a little bit about the, the genesis of that campaign and how social played a role in it? Sure. So that was last year. We're actually in the middle of, we, we brought that back in a different way this year. But yeah, retweet to reemploy, that was, um, we have a partnership with an organization called NextJob. Um, they provide um, career search training, coaching uh, to people, you know, for various reasons. Some are just, you know, for people starting just now starting their career and having a hard time sort of branding themselves and getting out into the market or people experiencing uh, long-term unemployment. So we actually created, a, we, we started working with this organization back in 2012 um, as part of our homeowner reemployment program. It was a very small pilot that was started initially, um, you know, quietly. Um, we were really just trying to help um, some of the, the homeowners that we had who were, um, you know, behind on their payments due to long-term job loss. We had those, we, ha we knew that information um, and we reached out to them to uh, offer to provide them with a one-on-one -on -one job search coach and, you know, job search coaching in order to help them get back to work. Um, because really, you know, it's that's that's a win-win for everybody. Um, so uh, we started doing that. It was very successful. So they they um, made the program a little larger. And in fact, we continue to provide uh, the online uh, version of that job search coaching free to all Fifth Third customers. It's always available through 53.com. But during these campaign periods, we'll actually open it up to anybody. Um, we'll make the it's called a job seeker toolkit that we make. Um, that we make free to our customers all the time, but then during these campaigns, we we provide it uh, to anyone who wants to access it. But um, so really, last year we thought, you know, this is a great thing. We did some we did some testing, you know, in the market around um, you know the work that we were doing, and it just resonated really well. So decided to um, have a campaign around this, um, just to kind of you know show that you know one we wanted to show that we were the first bank that was doing something like this. Um, but we also just wanted to say that we recognize this is a larger issue and we want to be part of a solution. Um, you know, part of our, our Curious Bank platform is that um, we, we try to find, you know, ways that people are trying to solve problems in a way that's interesting or a way that nobody else is doing it. So um, we thought that this was a good thing to, to you know, show that we, we care about. And so um, we decided to put, um, we did a, a it was mostly digital. We had some uh, radio and we did some actually theater, in movie theaters, theater advertising around this campaign last year, but it was mostly social and digital that was that was driving um, 
and it was really about putting our ad dollars behind uh, four four particular um, you know job seekers who were going through the program. Um, so we were actually trying to help use our ad dollars to help them get a job. So the call to action was to share um, their stories, share you know their individual stories, and share their share them with other people in hopes that they would um, be able to to find a job that way. So. Um, the the main one of the interesting things is even a lot of our traditional sort of digital advertising around banners and things like that um, had tweet functionality built in. So the call to action was to retweet to reemploy this person. And for every 53 retweets we got throughout the campaign, we featured an additional job seeker on our on our campaign site, um, and we made another scholarship available um, for that one-on-one -on -one job search coaching to another to another individual. So. Um, that's the campaign in a nutshell. Um, I've got, um, I, that's what you're looking for. But yeah, that's um, you know we're bringing it back this year, but we're kind of focused on this millennial audience. Um, we're working with Next Job again uh, right now. It's we've got a campaign currently underway where if you if you post a tweet that says why you deserve free one-on-one -on -one job search coaching with the hashtags five three enter and brand of you, you're automatically entered to win. Um, that is an entry. And so um, we're, we've got that currently underway. We've got a lot of really great engagement around that, too. So um, we're just kind of recognizing that about 56% of college grads who are, you know, are still unemployed or underemployed six months after graduation, and that working with a job search coach makes them three times more likely to, to be successful in that search. So um, just trying to you know, bring more awareness and, and help solve a problem in a really interesting way. That's an amazing campaign, and I think a lot of listeners, almost said readers, a lot, a lot of <laughs> listeners to the podcast will probably sit there and wonder how you actually pull something like that off. Because one Fortune 500 company, so I think we can assume there's some organizational complexity just in size, if nothing else, and two, in a regulated environment. So how do you go about pitching something like that that may have Know, great social or content DNA and you think there's a good story and it fits into the curiosity culture but how do you go about starting a huge campaign like that and making sure that you can execute against it so when I say it's you know I'm not necessarily bringing all these big ideas and saying we need to do this I mean it's really just part of an overall you know creative concept and then how do we go about executing but yeah I'm I kind of feel like my job is making sure that we can execute um, so that we're, you know, prepared as an organization to be able to do that. So when it comes to, you know, so that's that's a big part of the heavy lifting that I feel like I do. Um, so I think part of it is just um, there's like there's a couple things. So I've learned that if you go to the table too early, when the when it's just a concept, when it's just it's not even really baked, and you're not even sure really how you're going to execute, it's too soon. If you go to people with you know, with, to like people in a legal or compliance or, you know, regulatory risk role, um, they're going to shoot so many holes in it or they're not even going to be able to know how to think straight. They're going to think of so many risks involved, right? So it's too soon. It'll get, it's dead in the water. And if you go whenever you're just about to, when you're just about ready to execute, you've got all the, everything locked and loaded, the creative already developed, the vendors on board, the tools and tactics, everything in place, then it's too late because then they're saying they'll they'll have changes, they'll have, you know, risks that you didn't think about that you need to control for and, and you it's too late to fix them. You don't have enough time to figure it out. So you there's kind of this middle spot where you have to go to them and work with them whenever you've 
you know, put, I mean, I think sometimes people are hesitant to put effort into something that could get killed, but I feel like that's, that's our job too. You know, we have to put work into things that don't always see the light of day or don't always see the light of day the way we think they need to see the light of day. So I think there's this middle spot when it's kind of like half-baked, <laughs> but half-baked in a good way, you know, where you can kind of say, here's how, here's how it's going to, here's how we see it working. And then you can get feedback at that point before you've built everything out and you've created all this content. You can get feedback for like, you know, point out the, when you ask them to point out the landmines, they're happy to do, and that's, that's a really great use of, and how you can be kind of collaborative with, with those folks. So um, I think that's, that's the key is really, you know, putting enough effort in that you've got something that they can react to. Um, but not so much effort in that you're too far down the path that, you know, their feedback won't undo some of your, your good work. Oh, gosh, I have so many questions about this that I know people are just probably clawing at their computer screens for, but um, one of them specifically is when I think of a, an effort like this for a, a broad-scale campaign that has rolled over from year to year, so you have kind of an ongoing campaign strategy. Um, talk to me about your team makeup, and is it just you? Do you have a team of 400 minions doing your bidding? Um, oh, because I the resources required for this is probably pretty significant, so... Tell me about your team. So, I mean, really, our internal team is is ridiculously lean. Lean. I have um, one person on my team who's a direct report, and then we have um, we have uh, people at our agency. We work with Leo Burnett in Chicago. Um, we've got a couple people on the community management side that support us there, as well as you know, content strategy and development. So, um, they they provide a lot of um, a lot of our muscle, I guess, um, and help us, you know, get through the creative process. So we can kind of help with, you know, the the quarterbacking internally, and and they can help us, you know, you know, provide provide that, you know, creative, and you know, work with us collaboratively on those things. So it is, I mean, it is a, a much broader effort. Plus, you know, I work very closely. I'm part of what is our sort of new digital center of excellence within our marketing team. So I work very closely with people on the on the you know digital and you know search marketing side and um, you know email as well so we all just you know it's it's one of those things that kind of overtakes your your entire life for, for a brief spell at least or a lot of a, a good portion of it so um, but yeah we're not we're no 400 minions unfortunately um, and that's on the marketing side we do have some some customer care agents that we work with in the contact center the customer contact center um, that you know on the servicing side as well, um, but they don't they don't roll up uh, to my team. You know, it's, we just we partner across the organization uh, on that work. I always love seeing teams that are smaller than people anticipate doing great things. I think that's really cool to see because it's easy to sit there from the sidelines and say, oh yeah, they have a ton of people, a bunch of agencies, and that's why they pull that off. We can't do that. And in many cases, it's a couple of folks with a couple of strategic relationships making amazing things happen. So that's awesome to see. And it's that time of the show for another bit from one of our sponsors, which is perfect timing, too. Inbound Writer would be a great addition to something like this to try to take out some of the risk. So with Inbound Writer, you can find out which blog posts and articles will help drive traffic to your website. So it will show you what will be good content, and all of that comes before you even write it. 
So the content analysis tool forecasts how your content will perform based on real-time analysis of your site, your competition, and even search engine behavior. So it helps to preload some of that social success and the content success to get you more traffic, decrease the amount of wasted time, and get more content out there to the right folks. And right now they have a free month trial of the tool. It's inboundwriter.com slash content pros offer. So we will link that up everywhere in the show, but content pros offer. So I think, Shannon, we've hit on taking these big leaps of faith, and we're running out of time on the show, but similar to a big leap of faith, what did you want to be when you grew up? We always like to ask that question. So I think, you know, I'm not sure if it was social strategist at a bank or a huge banking (laughs) company or regulated industry, but what motivated you when you were younger, and what did you want to be? Oh, geez. So this... I had two uh, primary, I think, idols when I was when I was small. I think um, very different, but you know, both women that I felt like I could look up to. One was Joan Jett, and the other was Sally Ride. So I was really torn between rock star and astronaut. <laughs> so um, for you know, I guess um, I, I you know I grew up playing music, so I think that the Joan Jett thing was kind of self-explanatory. And she was just you know she's She's pretty, you know, she's pretty badass. So, I mean, I was, you know, I think I was kind of drawn to, uh, you know, that kind of edgy, you know, female. It was kind of probably my first exposure to somebody like her, you know, and I thought she was fantastic. And then, um, you know, Sally Ride, I mean, I just thought, you know, the idea of going to space and, um, you know, she was the first woman in space and just doing something that, you know, nobody else had done before her. I just thought that was, that was incredible. So, Rock star or astronaut? Those are my my uh, aspirations. <laughs> I think that's the best combination ever, ever. Um, maybe you should be like the first rock star in space or something. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put them together, but yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you know, we're all about mashups here in Content Pros. Um, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much to you, Shannon, for coming and sharing such amazing knowledge. I wish we could sit here and talk for another couple of hours because I bet there would be tons and tons um, that people could learn from you. But And, of course, thanks to everybody for joining us for this episode of Content Pros Podcast with the inimitable Shannon Paul. Um, find more about Shannon over on her Twitter handle. She's at, at Shannon Paul. And then, of course, you can go over to 53.com and see everything that Fifth Third is up to and um, some of their cool integrated social campaigns that they're up to this year. And, of course, you can also check out more episodes of this podcast, Content Pros, at contentprospodcast.com. Subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes. And, of course, we'd love it if you would leave us a review to tell us uh, everybody else how awesome you think we are. Um, I'm Amber Naslin from Sysmos. My co-host is Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud. And we will look forward to talking to you next time on Content Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Sysmos, Proof HQ, and Inbound Writer, and is produced by Convince and Convert. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.